Hello and welcome to the 361 Degrees Podcast Season 4, Episode 2. My name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan McLeod from Mobile News Review. And I'm Ray Flamber from the All About Sites. That's a quicker way than saying all about Simon and all about Windows Phone, but that's the full title. Okay, I said Ewan McLean. I should probably have said Ewan. <laughs> you, you should have done that. That's fine. Okay, uh, welcome back, gents. Uh, episode two of season four. This uh, this this feels like it's actually been going for some time now, doesn't it? How exciting! Yeah. Um, every, we- every every week we're going to quickly talk about a little bit of news slash opinion before we get into the meat of the topic. Uh, just really, just to uh, just to share our personal experiences throughout the week. Um, so this week, I have mostly been thinking about mobile phone insurance because if you think back, uh, are you back? No, I, I'm not back, but I am. I am. You, you know how You're seeing the light now, you, aren't you? You know how in our in our podcast about mobile phone insurance, I explained that I don't drop my phones very regularly, uh-huh. and that um, because I only smash one up once every three or four years, that it's economically better for me to um, save the money and buy a new handset when that happens. Mm, and do you remember that I was saying? I hope it's going the right way, but I was saying that it's a brilliant idea. And yeah, 12 quid a month is silly until your wife drops the phone repeatedly and you have to get a new one. Carry on, Ben. I dropped my iPhone. Broke it. It's got a crack on it. I'm sad. It's a mess now. So, you uh, idiot. I know. I know. And, and I, still stand by, I still stand by that thing. You gonna, have, you bought, have you gone out and bought another one? No, not yet. But I, I do need to probably... I think it's repairable, but I'm going to need to... Can we to, see it? I'm going to need to pay. I'll show you in a bit. But it's, right. it's mangled all the... Uh, plastic edging and the the glasses cracked and things. So, yes. It, Please it, do not it, it be nice. one of those consumers that you see on the train that walks about with a smashed screen on their iPhone because they simply they didn't take the insurance or they didn't sign the or, or it just it's the equivalent of walking around with you know a, a five year old pair of shoes looking like an absolute it, idiot. It just serves you right for buying a phone with a glass back and a glass front. I know, I know. Anyways, suffice it to, suffice it to say that the 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 very rare occurrence has now happened, and I'm just smarting a little bit because now is the time that I have to go and get that money and spend it on fixing it out of my own pocket rather than the insurer. Although I do remind myself that I saved a lot of money every other month. Anyway, so that's what I've been thinking about this week, about how the floor is too hard. Everywhere should have soft floors. You and McLeod. Well, I've been playing with a service called SnapJoy, which is a new photo storage system that do, I... Do we need another one? Well, that's what I was thinking. I thought, oh, really? I thought, I'll sign up. I'll try it out. And it's incredibly innovative. It's really smart, very, very toned down, very Apple-esque, right? They've really removed all the different... So, so the maps are broken in it? Uh, does it use Apple Maps? No, it uses Google Maps. But yes, I know what you mean. It's actually very, very nice. And for families, particularly anyone listening with lots of photos, you know, 10,000 photos or whatever, you just you log into Snapjoy. There's there's actually no limit at the minute. It, when it launches, it'll be 5 gig limit, and you've got to buy more on your account. But the minute, there's unlimited. So I've dumped 25 gig photos. That's 11,000 photos onto it. And it automatically organizes them by day order and into little events. Very, very super smart. You have to go and see it. See, it. I can't do it justice. Go and look at it and put your photos on there. Uh, Rafe, you don't need to do it. You don't have a family. You don't have 10,000 photos <laughs> of babies smiling, right? I've got 10,000 pictures of cats. Does that count? Have you? Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, then in which case, uh, sorry, why do you have 10,000 photos Well, of maybe cats? that's a slight exaggeration, but that's the old picture of a cat. I can show you one now if you like. Uh, no, no, no. Keep your, keep, I was, keep your odd cat pictures. I was going to say something else. <laughs> keep your... P word to get, okay, don't worry. I was, Keep your pause uh, to yourself. Exactly. Right, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, Snapjoy. Snapjoy.com. Do have a look at it. And, and it just explain to me, it, it's good because it, it's just the, the way they present and surface the photos to you. So, they've got a, a kind of a memory thing and a, have a look at this different event. So, it, it's just a really nice, smart 
presentation of your photos. You can plug in Picasso, Flickr, and so on. It will import from Instagram as well. I, I'm really enjoying it. There's no mobile app yet. Um, Hang on a minute. Right. So, so, so you do remember that we're here to do a mobile podcast. So, uh, well, you asked me what I was thinking about, and that, that is, uh, there will be a mobile app, I'm sure, at some well, point. Well, I was thinking about cooking a pasta dinner later, but I didn't have that as my thing because it's nothing to do with mobile. Well, there is, a, there is a mobile element somewhere in that I take a lot of photos on my phone. I normally send it to Picasso, which is rubbish. Okay, I, I apologise to all of our listeners for the last five minutes of their lives being wasted. And Ben, I think actually the problem was you asked him to think and he's just been telling you he likes Snapdroid because he doesn't have to think about it. True, true. Rafe Blanford, what have you been thinking about Well, this I've week? been thinking about mobile payments and this was prompted by, by two things. It was uh, using PayWave at the Olympics, which for those that don't know is basically one of these contactless uh, cards for making payments under about £20. The Visa one, PayWave, uh, right? Yeah, and I'd used it a couple of times beforehand, but then at the Olympics everything was Visa only, massive long lines and so anything you could do to speed things up was great and so i used it about four or five times when i was there over a couple of visits to buy uh, what by the way uh i was buying bottles of water some maltesers and a program okay carry on and uh, i've now started using it so every day and so i look out for that contactless payment symbol and started using it a lot more and so you know, the idea of contactless payment or wireless payments does start to make a lot more sense to me and i think people will pick it up uh, and the other thing that kind of reinforced this was uh, having a new credit card arrive. And it's one of these ones that has the Oyster card built into it. Barclay card. Exactly. And I, I've actually one had one already, sure. but hadn't done anything about it because it had all the instructions with it again. So I actually got around to transferring my balance. And on the way here, I thought, I know, I'll just get, uh, and it went, uh, and it gave me the balance and everything worked brilliantly. And now I just want it on my phone. I don't want it on a bit of plastic. L- listeners should be aware that the, se- the service at no time makes those actual noises during a transaction. <laughs> I have uh, now got to the point whereby I get annoyed at chain stores that don't allow contactless payments. Yeah, if you don't have it, you have it, it it's get, really get, annoying get me now. These, this old archaic paper and metal stuff out. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to do a pin. This the Sainsbury's downstairs doesn't uh, have it I was yet. Actually it's to cash, as in you probably don't even know what that is, do cash? you? And, yeah. All right. Yeah, I've heard of that. It's in a museum somewhere. Yeah. Although I am, I am also, I am annoyed by contactless payments because I have a Visa card which has PayWave on it, which means I can use it in most of the shops that you were just talking about and local ones. Yeah. But I have an American Express card which has contactless built in, which no one supports yet. I presume it's, it's coming it's or it's in the States or something like that. So I, as, I, as I waft my wallet over the thing, it, half uh, my car, contactless cards don't work yet either, so it's still uh, a bit I'm, of a doctor I'm sorry, breakfast. Ben, but having an American Express card in the UK is a bit like having a diner's club card. It's just irrelevant. It's only when you go overseas and no one takes visa, you get your American Express out and sort of feel smug. I actually have no problem feeling smug in this country. Have I you have ever bought say. anything in your American Express? Yeah, all the time. All my hotels, everything. It's great. I love it. You, I, actually, what I really like about American Express, or I can't use the contact list, but all their, uh, all their billing and, uh, and invoices and things are really good. They give me loads of information about stuff. And, I, and, this, and there's a reason I'm saying this, not just an advert for American Express, is that I don't see any value in contactless payments until they do something better than just replace the need to enter Have you pin. used this yet? Come on. Yeah, I, I've got an O2 money card I've been trying. Oh, come on. Uh, which is a, which is a, a, Hasn't a, that stopped? No, it's a simple contactless. But went out of business. The O2. Have yeah, no, I, I got one, but yeah. it still works. But I really like the fact that it texts me my balance and it confirms that the transaction's taken place within seconds of doing it. So I went into Boots, I bought some I don't know, shower gel, I can't remember. What, what brand? I, I, I forget. I, He's I a probably, Radox man, you probably can tell. A, Probably a very manly brand that you know makes me more attractive to women. The, uh, the green one that, that yeah. smells and, and, uh, and greeny. I, and I tapped the O2 money, a payment card on the automatic till, and before I'd got the products into the bag, I got a text confirming that I'd done it. Now, 
obviously that's a prepay card which has a positive balance on it, which I wouldn't normally use. But if you are, if you're a teenager, let's say, and you want to track your balance, I thought that was excellent. And just what you were saying there, Rafe, I don't think that the convenience of contactless matters too much, but I do think that all the stuff you can do additionally is going to be really, really cool. Just quickly before we move on to this week's news, have you used contactless from a mobile phone or is it still just cards? Uh, all the stuff I'm using regularly is, is just cards. I've had a go with a few of the pay-as-you-go phones just to see how it works, but that was purely research to make me sound intelligent when I talk about it, and, uh, which hasn't really worked. But we'll certainly be talking about uh, contact. Now West have got it now. They're testing it. We've seen that touch pay it's called, which is I think a really. I mean, I've used the Barclays was it Barclay card sticker on the back of your phone. Have you, have you got that? Yeah, you've got that. Yeah, I haven't, oh. I, I, I haven't got the right phone with me, but um, oh, wow, very I'm impressive. Kind so, of unimpressed by it, to be honest. Well, that West, t- you have to actually go and buy. They send you a case that, oh. that does a swipey stuff. Dear me, we'll be talking about mobile money some more in future weeks, but certainly uh, exciting times. And Rafe Blanford blazing a trail because uh, they've only recently moved away from groats in uh, where, where you live, haven't they? And trading trading goats or uh, indeed any rudiment, root, root vegetables for uh, goods and services. Well, most of the time it's still barter, but you know, occasionally I have to come into London and visit the modern world. So, uh, you and McLeod, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about 4G. 4G. Yeah, and- which is basically an irrelevant topic. Okay, it's good. Good good to open with a nice, uncontroversial statement. 4G is an irrelevant topic. Uh, before we... Just faster. So why are we talking about it then? Exactly. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. <laughs> um, so, Rafe, before we get into what whether 4G is good or bad, just... For, for, on the off chance that anyone listening doesn't really know, no, come what, on, what come is on. Well, what, what what is four G as far as we're talking about in the UK? Because we're talking about it because it's about to launch in the UK. So, so give right. us some context, Rafe Blanford. We are indeed four G stands for fourth generation. It's the fourth generation of mobile data or mobile cellular technology. And for those of you that are in the states, we're not talking about T Mobile four G, which is HSDPA, which is in fact three point five G. Which is lies. Like that. It's faux G. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Oh, that, that's Boom. such a cracking joke. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about LTE or long-term evolution, and it's essentially a standard, uh, just like HSDPA or WCDMA or whichever particular abbreviation you choose to use, and it's faster when you're downloading data. There are some other important points about it. It, it moves everything to IP technology rather than having voice on circuit switch data. So there's quite a bit of technology involved. But I think as far as consumers are concerned, the big thing about 4G or LTE is faster download speeds when you're talking about data. And it's completely new set of frequencies. It's new towers for the networks. It's, it's a big refresh both in the handsets and in the network both it well, but when it was done in America, it was, and that's it's finally coming to the UK, and it's finally coming to the UK because the Ofcom, the people in gov, well, who work for government Regulator. to manage uh, frequencies and spectrum and all this kind of stuff, have finally pulled their fingers out of their collective bottoms and decided to allocate some of that spectrum. Yeah, well, I mean, we just can't blame the government. It's also operators suing each other, left, right, and centre. But yeah, you're right. It's new bands. It's operating on new bits of spectrum or new frequencies. Uh, actually, operators won't have to put up new towers. They'll just have to put up new things on their masts. There's basically new base stations going in, and some of it can be directly upgraded, but in most cases, you're right, there'll be a new aerial going up on the mast. So there's a really big infrastructure investment from all of the operators required to make this work. And yes, it has to be supported by your phone, um, and there'll be this whole issue around which phone supports which bands, which becomes important when you're roaming. But basically, it's a new set of aerials in your phone. It's, you know, 
more power required. So it can have an impact on battery life as well. So there's quite a few issues beyond just the technology itself. Ewan McLeod, faster mm-hmm. is always better. It says, missing the obvious joke in order to keep it clean for a family audience. Um, faster is always better. What's the obvious joke? So I'll, I'll explain it to you later. I'll draw you a diagram. Okay. Um, faster is always better. So why is 4G why aren't you interested in 4G? I thought you would be queuing up at the EE store, which is the exciting new and in no way confusing brand name for uh, Orange and T-Mobile in the UK to work together. The, the artist formerly known as Everything Everywhere, which was also a terrible name. <laughs> Why am I not excited? Well, I think because it's taken this long for it to, to even get to the point where we can possibly talk about it. This but is just boring now. When you go to the States, though, yep. don't you really want, like, you, don't you look at all of the Americans with their amazing 4G services and think, I want that so much? <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I remember being on a bus, uh, going, traveling somewhere with a press pack, and one of the chaps from one of the big mobile phone, American mobile phone sites was showing me his device, and he, he did the... Um, the data traffic analysis thing, which showed he was getting some like, I don't know, 25 meg down. We're on a bus traveling at 60 miles an hour. I just thought that was ridiculously cool, very smart. And he was able to download stuff really quickly. It was amazing. But, you know, that was a year ago. And I, I've just had to just, I think, like most of us just go, all right, yeah, come, we'll get it at some point, whatever. And I've actually mentally making a W sign for whatever, whenever the, and this, is, this is talked about. I mean, show me it, great. What, how are you going to pitch this to the masses? And is this going to be another mistake from the, the operators? I, I think we have to get there, yes. And it's clearly it's working very nicely for a lot of people in the States and in other markets. I'm just a little bit depressed that we, are, we were one of the most advanced countries in mobile. The first SMS, first mobile call was made here in this country. It's like everything else, right? We're flipping late, absolute rubbish, tosh. And now you've got everything everywhere. Who was EE? Who was, is France Telecom sort of? Is Orange? Is T-Mobile? The thing that really annoyed me last week when I saw uh, this PR girl who just told me she's on 4G. Oh, she's on 4G? She's now. on 4G, yeah. Huh? yeah. That's clever. I said, right, oh, okay. And, and, and what network? She goes, oh, Orange. I said, right, okay. And she goes, oh, no, no, I'm on EE. She goes, no, no, uh, I don't, is it Orange or T-Mobile? She, she couldn't remember, didn't know, and wasn't quite clear. What, what a screw-up <laughs> this is. Um, I think the branding is, is, is really poor. I think the execution to the market is poor. I think it's really bad to allow Orange, or sorry, T-Mobile, Orange, whoever the hell, to come into market first. And I think they screwed up. You, have you had a look at their website? What website? The, so the Everything Everywhere website, right? right? Exactly, but what website? All right, so yeah, well, the, 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 the don't, single don't, page. Don't, don't talk over my biting sarcas- sarcasm wit. Insert so, more, please. Insert more, please. Right. Okay, just, just tame, tame your dissatisfaction right, because okay. I, share, I share some of it. But my worry is that 4G is going to be another video calling. And think, exactly think, what I was thinking, yeah. Think back to video calling, which was... All of the mobile manufacturers and the networks thought that this was going to be exciting, brave new world. And although, 50 pence a minute. Although Apple have subsequently reinvented it and seemed to be able to make, make it reasonably popular. At the time, as you say, it was expensive, it didn't work terribly well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the, consumer, the likes of us will probably go and buy it because fast is good. But normal people actually don't need data on their handsets to be faster 
what they need is to have consistent coverage or consistent speeds with the best that is already out there. Right. There you go. That was not clear. But Rafe, you know what I mean? I, I, I do know what you mean. And honestly, I take the same view that you know, I'm always reluctant to say to agree it's, with you. It, it, it's fast enough. It's good enough. And, you know, this old joke about you only need three supercomputers. But in this case, I look at it, the current technology can potentially get up to maybe 20 megabytes down when you're talking about dual carrier HSDPA, for example, which is being adopted by some of the UK carriers. And there's maybe an argument on upload speeds because you get faster upload speeds. But then it, it kind of comes down to two things for me. There are some advantages from an architecture and a technology point of view. Uh, I'm thinking particularly about being able to stuff more through the air at the same time because ultimately frequency or spectrum is a, a finite resource. So that's a, that's a good thing. It could potentially also have some savings for uh, power management at base stations and at the phones and also you know, voice as I said, it used, it, it, at the moment it's circuit switch data. We're going to keep on using that for a while, but potentially LTE can go to voice over LTE, a full IP system, and that has efficiencies as well. But is that any real advantage for the consumer? And the answer to that is not really. The one area where it does start getting a bit more interesting is because of some of the frequencies used on LTE, potentially at least, you could get improved high-speed coverage in rural areas. And that does very much interest me because I'm someone who lives in a rural area um, that's going to mainly be on some of the refarm spectrum, but it will be about maybe more reliable and faster data in rural areas. In cities, I'm not sure it's going to make that much of a difference because coverage is already pretty good there. And actually, the problems there are more around you know, density of the cell sites. And I think that's going to be cell solved by putting in micro cell sites rather than you know big bits of topology. Whereas out in the rural countryside, you are only going to have a certain number of miles. You're never going to have you know micro sites. The LTE is interesting there, but explaining that as a consumer proposition, virtually impossible. And like Ben says, you know, who's going to set, walk into a shop and say, oh, yeah, I'm quite happy to pay £5, £10 extra for LTE. And we had the same problem with 3G data. I mean, people will probably remember, you know, it wasn't just video calling. It was 3G data as a whole. And, okay, now we're completely used to it. But there's a problem in the next few years, maybe not in 10 years. And, of course, yes, it's the way to go. LTE, long-term evolution. But there's a reason it's called long-term, it feels. Well, okay, let, let me give you a different perspective here as well. Having slated it initially, uh, I think if someone did show me an EE and everything everywhere, a phone running on 4G and it it was it being absolutely screaming fast, which it should be, by the way, right? It should not be. There'll be, what, 5,000 people using it for the first year or something or something like that. It won't be a lot of people using it. And if you're in a metropolitan area, it should be ridiculously fair. Well, this, if it is, can I just stop you there? This is where my f disappointment number one, potentially, is that EE have announced that the average speed, so admittedly it would be more than that, but the average speed would be between 8 and 12 megabits, which is, you know, is a tiny, tiny slice of what LTE and 4G promises in terms mm. of actual speeds. But does that actually mean, so the, the redeeming feature here if it's really badly marketed, and if, as we're saying, the consumer's going to be confused, actually, it might be rather useful for me, because if no one's using it, it should be screaming well, fast, well, yeah, and I wouldn't mind paying to get that, actually. More, more to the point for you, I would have thought it's a, a, a prestige thing, that you'll be using 4G, and therefore will be different to everyone else. So what you really need is a hack in your software that blows up the LTE in the top left-hand corner to be half the screen, so you can go around and show people Luminous that you're yellow. really impressive. And rather, rather than having a coloured phone or a, a special edition, you can be the only one using LTE. Uh, I tell you what, there is a degree of prestige that you know, I have been thinking about it, 
But uh, I don't have an orange contract anymore. I used to. I've, I've killed it. So there'd be no point because it's only going to be launched in 10 cities and 16 cities by the end of the year. And none of them are where you live. And one of them's Hull. I mean, what? I don't get it at all. I mean, the reason it's launched Rafe Blanford in Hull, critic shock. It, like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Hull. There's lots of people nice living city, at Hull that are lovely it's people. It's not really the sort of place I can see being a really important place to launch LT. And this is because... I went you know, there once and it rained. <laughs> because you're know, refarming spectrum right at the bottom end that's why they're able to launch it first i actually don't think that's going to matter very much because you know vodafone and everyone else are going to be able to launch their lg stuff you know within six months a bigger problem is they're all using different bands and so that actually means the iphone yeah. 5 is only going to work on ee's lg network it's not going to work initially on o2 and vodafone now of course <laughs> apple will release a variant at some point but it feels like going back to that nightmare where we had different GSM networks and some phones would not work on other networks. And that's within the UK, obviously. Because I, I, gen- I, genuinely, I genuinely can't remember a time when I couldn't put a chip, a SIM card, in any of my phones and expect it to work on any of the networks mm. because it seems such a long time ago. Yeah, uh, what are these people thinking? And most of the LTE phones uh, work across two bands. It's high band and low band. And in order to get it working efficiently across multiple bands... It, it's not absolute, but the basic story is you need to put in a, a MIMO aerial for low band and high band. So you end up with four aerials in the phone. Uh, now that adds cost and complexity. So it's not going to happen all the time. Probably will with the high end phones, but it's going to mean that roaming for that kind of LTE data doesn't really happen, uh, which kind of seems a real shame. And certainly over to the States, it won't happen because they've got a whole different set of LTE bands to, to Europe. But even within Europe, potentially, you could have uh, difficulties. And so you know, I, I kind of sit there and scream. Didn't someone think it would be a good idea to consolidate some of this? And at the moment, I think there's 40 LTE bands, of which about 15 or 20 are going to be fairly oh, commonly please. used. And it just makes me want to scream. Well, although, Rafe, the, if, the nice thing, though, of course, is that you won't be able to go roaming on LTE data because using 30 seconds of data at LTE speeds would cost you probably you know, the, the equivalent cost of a house or a car or a small third world no, nation. Hold on a minute. So that's an interesting point. I do remember going to the States recently and uh, my phone roaming onto AT&T 4G it's my, uh, my iPhone 4S roaming onto AT&T 4G, which I think It's is- not 4G. Don't you. say it. Thank you. And I, I remember going at 4G. Well, it's nice to see it there. And this is marginally quicker than a GPRS connection. That's because so, it wasn't 4G. Well, so I went, I went and I didn't participate, but I went and witnessed O2's trial of 4G when they built a network around London and they doled out some uh, USB modems to users. And I sat actually with um, Dan, Dan from, um, oh dear me, good, um, Cool Smartphone. Cool smartphone blog, uh, who was really, nice really kind. Thank you, Dan. And um, who let me, you know, have a bit of a play. And we were getting amazing speeds. It was sort of 60 megabits down. It was, I think it was 20 megabits up. It was You and the other four users on the network. It, okay, the network was very lightly used, but it showed the technical capability of what LT was about. Right. But the only way that we could possibly benefit from those speeds was on modems and dongles. And I thought, this is going to be fantastic for a whole world of mobile enabled like sort of tablets and laptops and things like that and wouldn't it be brilliant if we moved all of our devices that needed high speed data onto high speed data but don't sell people smartphones you know with small batteries and small screens that already can can already stream video can already stream audio at perfectly acceptable speeds and you know sort of 
that when in terms of we, you might be building out this network to get capacity, for example, as Rafe is talking about. So actually, it's something that the networks want to do in order that they can have better coverage and things like this. But don't market it. Let's you know for the first time be smart and actually just market it when it's ready as a consumer proposition and use it quietly, silently in the background. Just add it in as a way of improving things. Uh, and just to reinforce that, I was talking about voice over LTE. Now that's not there yet, but it will be in a few years, and that will actually. It's basically forced to use a, a higher audio codec, so you'll get HD voice, essentially, if you get voice over LTE. But there's no point doing that for a few years. It feels to me like it would make more sense to take the approach you're saying, Ben, and sort of offer it for what is needed it now, which is, as you say, tablets and dongles, and then put it into phones you know, when's ne- when it's necessary. I mean, it's not going to happen like that because people want new technology and want to adopt it as soon well, as I possible. Well, I don't think people do, right? I think it would be great if Vodafone said... No, you don't want this in your phone yet because your battery's going to last 20 minutes. Well, let's stop discussing with consumers. Consumers don't give a monkeys about new speeds of data transmission. They don't give a monkeys about what speed of, of broad, what, you know, what type of uh, protocol they, is they used do. down, their, down yeah. their broadband wire. They, they care that it's better or worse. And so we should stop every time a new standard comes out, every time a new wireless type of connection comes out, or every time... Um, somebody makes an interconnect between two networks and those networks for example happen to charge by megabytes so think about roaming for example yeah. you know I go, I go to france and the two networks bill each other by megabytes and all of a sudden i'm billed by megabytes because that's the way that the underlying technology works or i'm sold a new 4g contract because my new iphone 5 happens to have 4g in it and the, the network's been upgraded it should just be completely seamless. It should just be added in. And when I want to do something super duper like, I don't know, very high speed data or something for a laptop, then fine, I'll pay a premium or I'll pay a separate tariff. But mm. I think we've got to get away from selling consumers technical specifications because it's meaningless. And for all their sins that we were criticizing them last week, the one thing Apple did do is just hide all that silly noise under yes. the surface and just say, this phone does some good things. Would you like good things? And you say, oh, yes, please, I would like some good things. And then you go and buy it. That's rather an idealistic way to look at the world, though, because sales doesn't work Join hands like with me and we'll all sing Kumbaya. Exactly, exactly because you know, it's the like same reason we get multiple cores in mobile phones. There's actually not a lot of point in having quad core. Dual core is quite sufficient or higher resolutions in the screen. And a whole bunch of other technologies or the megapixel race on cameras because you can sell on the fact it's got a bigger number or a higher number and all the operators are competing against each other and it's because as soon as one breaks, they'll all break. It's kind of like prisoner's dilemma, essentially. And so you're never going to have that ideal situation where it's best for the consumer because, honestly, these companies don't operate in the interest of what's best for the consumer. They operate in the interest of making the most money. Well, they don't, don't I, always I don't go hand think, in hand. I don't even think they're doing that. Well, no. I don't even think they're operating in, in that manner, unfortunately. That, even... that, that's how they would like to be operating. Yeah. They'd always achieve it successfully. But the idea that we'd do what's best for the consumer, because the business model is such a, it doesn't put enough importance on that. It doesn't reward doing that enough. I mean, I, I think that would be great, but I just don't see it happening. How much okay. would you gentlemen pay for, uh, on top of your existing contract, how much would you pay for guaranteed high quality, your phone never cut, cuts out generally, on the train. 10 quid a month. You pay an extra tenner a month. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're talking about uh, better, better coverage. Uh, so I, what I mean is, so your A network operator has put a pile on, on every, or, or on the train or whatever, they've done it so that all things been equal, there will be the exception, but all things been equal, you will have super quality voice on, on the train. 
if I could get super quality voice and data. Oh, voice and data, that's yeah. right. So um, then, yeah, I would probably pay uh, 50% extra on top of my tariff, so which is probably about £15 uh, currently. Uh, no, I, I'm astonished by that. I'm, I'm encouraged by that. I'd be interested to see what the audience think here, because I thought you would probably be, I thought you'd be saying a pound or three pounds. I was because I, I pay quite a premium for that myself. But I was wondering what you. Yeah. Maybe, I'm interested. I, in you I don't think we're typical. And the way of doing that is is great and works in theory. And yes, I'll, I'll pay for it. And I think there is potential for that kind of charging of quality of service on existing networks. There's lots of. But as soon that, as you have a network that is capable of doing that, everybody wants it. And actually, that would be a true differentiator. If Vodafone came along and said, "Our coverage is 25 percent better." and could actually prove it because well, I'm sure people would start shifting but the truth is in most developed markets you've got to 99% and the reason it cuts out is because they haven't been able to put a mast up for maybe planning regulation or you're going through a tunnel or some other kind of congestion which means it's either impossible to do for planning regulations or not cost effective to do so so I like I, the no, idea I like of your cost network. effective argument here because if you actually sit down and say what's the cost and then what's the revenue, the net revenue you can bring in, the more the customers you can bring across, the loyalty, blah blah blah, I think we might be surprised. But let's bring it back to four G because yeah. I think that that was an interesting uh, point though that I I think that four um, G actually is going to be quite disappointing, not because it's not going to be fast and it's not going to be good and exciting, but because after all of this fussing. Um, it's going to take a lot longer to deliver the kind of total coverage that is genuinely going to mean that you can use 4G services wherever you go. Um, and also, it's being launched to consumers and businesses across handsets, data devices, the whole shooting match. So they're not specialising a high-speed data service. They're just trying to add it as a kind of a, a glossy extra feature on some certain high-end phones, which feels like a real a real opportunity missed. And Going back to to uh, Rafe's point about the planning and, and things, I would be far more I would be far more interested in going for four G for, for upgrading to a four G network or upgrading to a four G phone. If they said, we know that the people who really need reliable data uh, work mobile loads, for example, so we will put okay, it's ten cities, sixteen cities, but on all trains, we'll do de- deals with the train operators so that you can always get, you mm-hmm. can always work when you're on the train, or you can Seamless. always, yeah. There's always something, and and all of a sudden, I would say, well, actually, there's something, there's something better because with the fast data, they've done something that also makes it means it's always available to me, and it's the sweet spot of useful, you know, valuable and useful, usable, uh, and because that's what really disappoints me was I sat there in the O2 getting sixty megabits down faster than my home fibre broadband. On a bad day, you know, it was mm. just absolutely amazing over a wireless, you know, cell network, and then thought, I'm never going to get this again. Yeah. You know, I'm never going to have this experience. Uh, and what Ben's talking about there is heterogeneous networks. The idea I, I don't know if that's what I'm talking about. It, it, it is. It's the idea that you, you know, fill in the basic cellular network with extra bits, and it might be deals with operators. That is what I meant on, yeah. on trains, <laughs> but also, you know, the idea of microcells and stadiums, or you know, frequently used areas. So maybe St- Regent St- Street. Stadia. Stadia. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Guinea-Eye. <laughs> or, or putting them up on lampposts along, you know, big important shopping streets or, and everything Cambridge like that. Cambridge educated, you know. And of course, when you, you, know, well. when you, <laughs> when you uh, get stuff like what that, you can you? also then start having intelligent networks that heal themselves. And that, honestly, I do think people would pay a premium for. And that's why, you know, kind of related to all this 4G news in the UK, we've got a lot of stuff about network sharing. We kept referring to EE, which is, T-Mobile and Orange, but actually we've also now got regulatory approval for Vodafone and Telefonica to share their network. 
And I think most consumers don't, couldn't care less about you know, consolidation of networks, but it will probably lead to the point where that coverage will get just that little bit better because where Vodafone's good and O2's bad, you know, Vodafone will be able to use the, and vice versa. And that does get quite kind of interesting. So 4G in that sense has been good because it's helped to bring about some of this cons- consolidation. It would have happened already, but it'll happen even quicker because the whole point about the LTE rollout is essentially all the operators go around to all their existing base stations and update their equipment, put up new aerials. And so from an architecture point of view, I think actually probably that's where we'll see the biggest benefits. What, one last point from me. Um, whilst I think 4G is going to be disappointing um, in the short term and frustrating in the short term because it's going to over-promise and under-deliver as far as consumers are, are, being, are being told. The other thing is I just want to remind any of the network operators that are listening who might be listening because you know, obviously one or two of them might have missed this week's episode, but I'm sure they'll catch it on the replay. Um, I still don't want to buy any services from you. You are still a dumb pipe. Your pipe just got faster, but I don't want to buy any video services. I don't want to buy any music from you. And We've I don't got want this to great new any, uh, any uh, non-of-the-top uh, comm system. Would you like to buy... No. But, we, but I, we will have quality of service I, from them. Well, I, don't, I don't mind a fast network efficiently managed, but I still don't want to buy any services because I think uh, the next thing that happens, as far as I'm concerned, is that the operators look at all this sort of missed opportunity in terms of 4G once they've sold to all the early adopters and then they start to say we're going to deliver amazing things over this 4G network and it's going to be all the things which frankly I would much rather get from the BBC or from commercial providers you because they do it better. You want great, a you're, social you're, network or anything? Would you like a social network? No, I don't like to talk. Uh, about it. It's going to be great though. You'll be able to download your Kindle ebook in one second instead of four seconds. Well, and I think that that's my point made made for me. And that's the confusing thing is I'm I'm in the business now of uh, I, I'm going to bang on about this quite a lot. I'm in the business of moving home at the moment, and uh, when I move home, I'm going to have quite poor broadband connectivity. Um, in so, fact, uh, is that just because you haven't upgraded, or is that have you moved home? I'm, have you genuinely gone somewhere where it's got rubbish broadband? He's going somewhere where you can see a sheep out the You're window. Mo- I'm, I'm moving somewhere quite rural. And what are you thinking? Well, I'm, I'm thinking... There's no fibres of the cabinet where you're... <laughs> right, well, don't move there. <laughs> but no, ge- genuinely, what right-thinking geek on this planet moves somewhere that has rubbish, rubbish internet... No, okay, you're born there, right? Blanford's okay. waving his hand, oh, right? Okay. You were born there. You're, you're intent... But Look me in the eye and tell me you're serious. You're intentionally moving somewhere that has zero or rubbish broadband. And you know why? Because I went in with my iPad and yeah. I did a speed test and I get absolutely blistering high-speed 3.5G data. Well, you don't live in the countryside then. Well, the, which, is, which is ironic because now there are places, hmm. there are places <laughs> near major roads and with good cell coverage where I can get 10, 11 megabits down on existing 3G coverage where I will only get 4 or 5 megabits over wired connectivity. That, to me, is the missed opportunity for 4G, that building it in the centre of all these cities that already have blistering, blistering speeds is, is another case of just offering numbers to, to a large population in the hope of selling some units. What they could have done is completely blitzed all of the fixed-line operators and offered high-speed data to whole communities of people relatively, relatively easily. You're making too so many just, smart points here. Just because you live in the operators. countryside, it doesn't mean you don't know what Ethernet and fast internet is all about, and you'd like to use BBC iPlayer too. Exactly, exactly. You want to get some sheep and you want to put a dong on. One man and his dog, you know, that kind of catch-up TV. A pause for a moment while we think about Rafe Rafe watching one man and his dog alone at home. Can we just insert mild... You know, I'll, I'll add some sound. I'll add some sound effects into this one. Okay, uh, we should wrap it up because we've gone, we've gone well, we've gone well over. Uh, I, I always like to try and do something sort of meaningful at the end. So, 
Um, meaningful. Meaningful. I know this is this is struggling a bit. Um, Ewan, would you buy in in one in uh, in a few weeks' time? Will you buy a four G device because they're available? No, and I think the question you want to ask me: Will I buy a four G service? Because I have to get the service first, right? As yes. in, am I going to walk into EE? Uh, no, I'm going to wait until someone shows me it, and then I'm either going to be very jealous or go ha ha. Yeah, it's the same for me. I'll have a, a 4G cable device, but I almost certainly won't have the service until it's on my network next year. And I would love to go and buy a 4G service because I really want some high-speed data and I'm about to lose it. But I also predict that the tariffs will be absolutely horrendous and that they will launch with very low data allowances. Uh, certainly anything purporting towards high or, or, unlimited. Un- or unlimited will have lots of filtering and rules on that wouldn't get on a normal a normal network of equivalent speed, perhaps a wired network. And so it'll be another opportunity missed for the, uh, the mobile network operators to reset the way they behave from today's current sort of misdirection about, you know, the amount of data you can buy. There you go. Well, that was positive. I know. Ending on a positive note. Okay. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. We really appreciate your comments. Please leave one wherever you hear this on Wireless Worker, on Mobile Edition Review, or the All About Sites, as Rafe Blanford has taken to calling them. Uh, we'd, will you be going out and buying a 4G device? And if so, will it be a phone or will it be a data device? There are MiFi's and dongles coming from EE. Uh, will you switch networks to get 4G or will you stay with your existing network and hope that they upgrade sometime soon? So just, no, 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 maybe no and no. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye.